It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Well, I am back from the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland, Oregon, and happy to report there was very good attendance by exhibitors and a whole bunch of anglers, hunters, and outdoors enthusiasts. All in all, I'd say we probably had about 90% of normal attendance, which is great, and probably about 90% of the exhibitors were there as well. In short, I'd have to say we are back in the Pacific Northwest. We've got similar news from the Great American Outdoor Show, which wrapped up on the 13th in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The NRA, which puts on the country's biggest sportsman show here, reports 165,000 people attended the show this year, down from the all-time high of 179,000 in early 2020 before the pandemic, but still very impressive. There were over 1,000 exhibitors at this show, and the NRA estimates this event can contributed $75 million to the local economy, which is good news for this Pennsylvania community. But just when you thought things were getting back to normal, the Fred Hall Show in Long Beach, California, it was supposed to take place this weekend, but it was canceled on Tuesday. Western Outdoor News broke this story, and according to the show producers, COVID and the refusal to relax local regulations requiring proof of vaccination and or negative at-the-door testing along with mask use led them to pull the plug on this show, thinking they just wouldn't get the attendance they needed to make the show go off in the way everyone was accustomed to. In other news, congratulations are in order to Ronald Brid. He tunes into our show on 1120 KPNW out of Eugene, Oregon, and he's the lucky man who came to our booth at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show, entered for a chance to win that Henry Repeating Arms 22 caliber Golden Boy lever action rifle and did exactly that. By the way, truckers have been in the news lately, and did you know that Henry Repeating Arms has been making a special tribute edition lever-action rifle for truckers for years now? It's in honor of those who move goods across America every day, keeping our stores and dealerships stocked, and this rifle is an absolute beauty. It's a golden boy, but it's a big step up from the one we gave away to Ronald Brid. This rifle has some beautiful engraving and a special logo on the stock that will speak to every trucker out there. Like all of Henry's repeating arms, this one is reliable, accurate, made in America, and has a lifetime satisfaction guarantee. You can check out this trucker's tribute edition rifle online at henryusa.com and order one today. And while you're there, don't forget to ask for your free stickers and decals. The website again, henryusa.com. This week on the show, we've got not four, but five great guests for you. We interviewed at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. In just a minute, you'll hear from Ross Roberts, the marketing manager for Truck Vault, a company that builds some high-quality storage to secure and hide your expensive firearms, tools, and more in your pickup or SUV from prying eyes and prying thieves. Bill Herzog, one of the finest trout and steelhead anglers you'll ever meet, and a pro staffer for Shimano and G. Loomis Rods, will join us to share tips and tactics for catching trout out of a river or stream near you in the dead of winter. 
After that, Dale Williams, the new owner of Naughty Duck Decoys, will join us to tell you about his decoys with spinning wings that will help you liven up your decoy spread on a calm day and draw those ducks and geese in. We've also got Josh Warren from WorkSharp back again. I was doing a giveaway at the Sportsman Show featuring pocket knife sharpeners from WorkSharp, and much to my surprise, a healthy number of attendees who stopped by my booth had no idea how to properly sharpen a knife. Go figure. Well, if you are one of those people, Josh is going to use this pocket knife sharpener and tell you exactly how to sharpen that knife years. Our final guest of the day, that would be Zach Hine. He's the young man who, as a college student attending Montana State University, came up with the idea of making a new meal bar high in calories and protein. The result is the Range Meal Bar, which comes in two flavors, tastes pretty darn good, and is available right now. Next on America Outdoors Radio. So we got some audio for you recorded from the floor of the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland, Oregon, and ran across somebody I usually see at SHOT Show. The company, its name is Truck Fault. And if you need to secure your belongings and keep them out of sight from people who might want to steal them, Uh, You're going to be very interested in hearing more about this. And with us here to tell you more about it is the marketing director, Ross Roberts. Ross, great to see you again. Good to see you, John. It's good to be here. So let's talk about Truck Vault, how it came about, and and the basic Truck Vault system that you originally had. Right. So we've been around for now 25 years, and uh, Al Chandler, our CEO and founder, uh, found it as he was doing his uh, contract work out of Seattle. On the weekends, he would do pheasant hunts and different uh, shooting events with his shotguns. And then he realized when he started building these storage systems for his pickup, all of his buddies at the, at the job site were saying, hey, I need some of this. So he eventually started making them for some of his buddies. And then, then he realized all the tools so they weren't stolen and his shotguns, obviously. He decided to put a lock on the box. So that kind of just snowballed from there. People were, the light bulb just went off for a lot of people saying, oh, we do need to secure those things. This stuff can't be walking off from us. We just got to make sure that we keep our gear secured. And that's really where it came from. You know, it's interesting you say that. I mean, back when I grew up, you always saw racks with rifles or shotguns in the back of pickup trucks. Those days are long gone because somebody's going to smash that window and grab those rifles or shotguns and take them away. Same thing even goes with fishing gear, too. I, I still remember my dad losing all of his steelhead gear that he had in the back of his pickup truck. Same thing. Somebody just peered in and was able to see it. And the beauty about truck vault is that it's not just concealable from the point of view of being able to slide things in and out and put guns in and put other valuables in. But if you're a would-be burglar, you can't even tell that there's anything there. It just looks like an empty pickup truck. Yes, that's correct. And we'd be very intentional with how we design the product, even from the look and feel and the fit and finish. This product right here is actually an all-weather, so we spray it with Linex bed spray, so it actually looks like it's the, in, the part of the bed of the truck. And really, that's just always been an intentional design for us to design it that way from a adds rugged ruggedness and usability for the back of the truck then also you know just gives it some longevity gives it a little bit better life living out there when it's you know exposed by the elements so the one we're at right now i mean it's on an old school chevy pickup truck and again it's got that line x top it's got two drawers that pull out to what geez about six feet out yeah it extends the 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 length of the bed whatever your truck is That is fantastic. And the handles, very nice. And the finish, very nice as well. I mean, this is not a cheap product. This is real high quality. 
Yeah, we do source a lot of high-end materials, and we try to put that craftsmanship into the boxes. We believe that it's going to hold up in the long run when you build it that way. So this is great, whether you've got fishing gear, whether you've got firearms, whether you've got tools that you want to keep away from people. But you've expanded in a whole different way. And let's walk over along your booth here. Yes, that elk call is because we're at a sportsman show, folks. We're getting ready to start, and people are getting ready to to come in, and people are getting excited. But to this, we've got a truck with a canopy, but this is set up like the ultimate pickup truck camping experience. Why don't you describe to our listeners what you've got here? Yeah, so the demand of this came from just the mobile living craze out of vehicles. Uh, It's expanding in the overlanding, but also the backcountry hunters. When you're spending sometimes weeks on end, you know, parking your truck at a trailhead, you got to make sure that you have some security. But then sometimes you're using that truck as your base camp. So really, we're trying to design a system that allows you to be quickly mobile if you need to move from camp to camp to to reposition yourself in your hunt. So we have a bed platform. We have a a pull-out kitchen with a cutting board and a two-burner stove. We have some secure drawer systems built into it. We have cabinetry that's built into it. So if you need to secure some of your personal belongings that you need that you usually take with you on, you know, on long camping trips, you have a nice little setup that fits to a lot of different aspects of what you, what you need to live out of the truck. I am a pickup truck camper myself, and I'm real basic. I've got a cot, and I've got my sleeping bag on it, and it slides off half the time, something that's not going to happen here the way you've got this set up. And then I've got basically totes that I either pull in or out, but it's not secure at all. I mean, anybody could just get right into my pickup truck and grab those things and see that I've got that stuff here. Again, with this slide-out drawers that you have here, it's so ingenious, especially the camp kitchen where you have the slide-out drawers for your utensils, you have the cutting board on top, and then it slides out again just for a place for the propane stove. Absolutely ingenious. You know what? We, we love it. We've already put it to good use on a few content trips, and we, went, we did a duck hunt in northern Washington a couple weeks ago, and, you know, we prepped the birds, and we grilled them all right there, and we served it to about 15 of us that were just having a good time at the tailgate. Oh, sounds fabulous. All right, the crowds are starting to come in, so we need to wrap this up. But as we do, Truck Vault, where can folks find out more about your products, and where are the dealerships besides Skagit County and Northwest Washington where you're located? Yeah, so we have a dealer network of over 300 dealers all over the country. So most major cities, you're going to be able to just look us up on our website at truckvault.com and go to dealers and type in your zip code and find a dealer near you. Or you can go direct to us at truckvault.com or call us at 800-967-8107. We would love to chat with you about some more options about our products. Truckvault.com, that's the place to go to secure your valuables or maybe trick out your pickup truck for some great car camping. Truckvault.com, folks, check it out. Find a dealer near you. Thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. 
Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. Got a real treat for you trout anglers out there, especially in the northern part of the United States. We've got Bill Herzog with us today. Now, Bill Herzog is one of the most famous anglers in the Pacific Northwest. He's written several books about catching salmon and steelhead. You can find through Amato Publications. He's been a radio show host. He's pretty much done it all. And to this day, he still lives to fish for trout and steelhead. Bill, great to get you on the air. Nice to be on the air, man. You live down near Washington State's only blue ribbon trout stream, the Yakima River, and it's the dead of winter. Not too many folks are out there. There's a few out there that are casting uh, nymphs, that are casting streamers, but you're out there with spinning gear, and you're having success. Well, for a couple reasons. In the wintertime, big trout don't have as many bugs to eat, almost nothing, so their diet goes right. They get piscivorous. They start eating small sculpins, fry, album, whatever they can find, and when they turn to fish, the rabbit jigs that I throw the 8-ounce rabbit jigs work as good, dare I say, better than anything you could possibly do. And I want to talk about that. I'm really unfamiliar when it comes to stream fishing of using jigs and exactly how you go about it. And the method we're going to talk about here, it works on the Yakima, but this literally would work on any stream in the Northern Hemisphere, wouldn't it? I can prove that. I've caught fish doing this in Montana, a lot of streams in Montana, down in Oregon, in lower British Columbia, eastern Washington, western Washington, wherever you find larger trout, the jig is your friend. Okay, so let's talk about this jig. Let's talk about how to fish it during the winter months. Trout uh, love sculpin. They, a lot of them, we can find sculpin from east coast to west coast, north to south. They love sculpin. Okay, now sculpin, if you watch it, if you ever spook one while you're waiting, they dart along the bottom. They don't come up in the water column at all. you got to get the jig down to them and keep it down. So those of you out there who maybe jig for walleye, who may be on the west coast, maybe you jig for salmon or something, you don't want to do the big uh, weeping jig. Yeah, that is a no-no because those fish never come that high in the calm. They stay along the bottom. So what you want to do while your jig is dripping along, if you're in a river or a stream, keep it within six inches of the bottom. Just little tiny pops of the wrist and the rod tip and keep it moving along. Maybe real, maybe just you don't have to, but just keep it in your mind's eye thinking now. Keep your jig right on the bottom where a small fish would evade a predator. Now I know when it comes to trout, it's always about matching the hatch. And this is primarily a dark-colored jig that you have here. It's brown with a little fawnish, I guess you might say, and a black head. And I presume this is supposed to imitate a sculpin, and this will probably work anywhere where sculpins are, right? Yeah, which is everywhere. Sculpins are everywhere. But this one, if you keep it dark, and I put a little bit of light in there, and I put a little bit of red in there. I palmer near the head to look like gills. And I stick with grizzly patterns, anything that's got a breakup with black, white, black, brown, black, olive, anything that breaks it up. A sculpin has that pattern to it. The fish... Thankfully, they, they're not that picky. They're hungry. When they see something darting by, they're not going to scrutinize it. They're going to attack it. We were also talking about spinners. I mean, that's my favorite way of fishing is using a spinning rod and tossing spinners. But I'll be honest, whether it be the Yakima or most other streams, I haven't had a lot of success during the winter months. I do good right after ice off on lakes, but not so much on streams. Help me out here. Well, for a reason being, an ice off in lake, what's happening? The water temperature is rising. The surface water temperature is getting warmer literally by the minute. And that turns fish on. They've been starving all winter, man. They will hit a tennis shoe, right, when this happens. But when 
when you're on a river in the wintertime especially, I don't care where you are, pay close attention to what's been going on a few days before, okay? If the water, it's, if it's been warm out and the temperature outside drops rapidly, that water is going to drop rapidly and the fish will shut down until they get used to that water temperature. Conversely, if it's been really, really cold, when the water drops, you're not going to catch them on anything. They're not going to bite a single thing. But when that water temperature, let's say it's in the mid-30s, and it suddenly jumps up to the low 40s, those fish are going to get rabid. And that's when you want to be on the water. Pay close attention to air temperature and water temperature in the wintertime. That's your key to success no matter what technique you're using. So when it comes to spinners, are we talking like, I know you love rooster tails. You are a big fan of the rooster tail by Warden Lures. Are we talking a brown one with a gold blade? Well, yeah, that'll work. If you've got a bright day like we have today, if you've got clear water, you want to tone it on down. A brass doesn't flash as much as silver plate. And a brown body, low in tone, just give them presence and a little bit of movement so you don't spook them. There's a thing we have called the attraction threshold. You don't want to go over that. You want to jazz them, but not spook them. Like if I was going on a bright day and throw a big yellow rooster tail, yellow body, yellow tail with a big flashing uh, silver-plated blade, what are those trout going to do? They're gonna, you can see them flying out of the tail out. But if early in the morning when there's low light or I got a little color in the water, which happens to snow melt a little bit, you want that flash. So take both with you and try and pay attention, again, to your surroundings. If you've got a dark day, so it might be okay to use silver plate and yellow. If you've got a bright day, tone her down, go to brass, go to browns listen to america outdoors radio and folks if you ever saw the movie a river runs through it you know there was a certain time where the older brother helped the younger brother who was played by brad pitt and brad pitt who needed some help in catching fish replied oh thank you trout professor i feel like i am talking to the trout professor right now i might not have phrased that exactly right but you get what i mean here folks uh let's talk a little bit more about winter trout fishing when it comes to your preferred setup in terms of rod and reel because you are a pro staffer for shimano and also for g loomis yes sir what i have here in my little hands you can tell it's really well used look how dark that cork is. oh yeah this is not a new rod folks oh, no. this, so you know i do use this right what i have is a seven and a half foot made by g loomis it's called the tsr 901-2 two-piece fast action rated for two to six pound line but it fishes a little heavier than that it's very fast action i run what i have on a reel i have on it is a static 1000 or 1000 size reel balances this real well you don't have to go all the way up and get a stratic i highly recommend it for the drag you're not going to lose any fish but what i do is i fill it with 10 pound test nanopill super thin never twist i can cast well hold on hold on you just told me this is rated for two to six pound test but you are filling it with 10 pound test absolutely i am well look at it's super thin it's the same diameter as six pound line same and what's what kind of line is this, this again? Is called Nan- Nanofill by Berkeley Mixes. And I put uh, about six feet of 10-pound test because it's it's fluorocarbon. You know what they say, it doesn't big, matter how big the fat man is. If you can't see him, it doesn't matter. So I run 10-pound test, 10 and 10, to my jig, and they can't see that 10. And fluorocarbon is uh, denser. It sinks better also, and they can't see it. There you go, folks. All sorts of great ideas about how to catch trout this winter, whether you are basically drifting and twitching a jig or whether you are tossing a spinner. And by the way, we didn't even get into spoons, and Bill wrote a whole book on that. You can check that out at Spoon Fishing for Steelhead. It's a book I've had for years, and yes, he covers some trout fishing in there, too. Bill, it's been too long since we've had you on the air. Thank you for joining us today on America Outdoors Radio. It was my pleasure all the time, man. 
That's Bill Herzog, folks. Let's close out this segment the way we started with a little music from one of my favorite artists, Frank Prenovost. been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska Lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. A sharp blade makes short work of any project you have in the outdoors, in the kitchen, or in the shop. Hone your knives and tools with quality power and manual sharpeners from WorkSharp. Find out more at WorkSharpTools.com. It's getting frustrating as I talk to myself, were they coming at all? I blew three quick blasts on my wooden goose call. Rain's still pouring, it was getting boring. Then I thought I caught a sight of something soaring. A big flock of geese I could barely see. They were coming straight in shape like a V. I got myself ready, held my gun steady. A couple seconds more, oh, my hands are getting sweaty. I should wait a little longer, but what's the use? I put a finger on the trigger and bust the goose. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, as you know, I recently attended the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland, Oregon, second biggest sportsman show in the entire nation. I'm always on the look for products that I think you'd be interested in. And if you're a waterfowl hunter, I think I found one for you. They are some really impressive decoys made by Naughty Duck Decoys. That's naughty like K-N-O-T-T-Y Duck Decoys. With us here is the owner of this new company, Dale Williams. Dale, welcome to the show. Thanks. Let's talk about your decoys. You essentially use either a fishing reel or a jerk line to go ahead and give your decoys some motion. Tell us more about them. Yeah, so we have two different styles that we sell. Our original is on a kite string handle with braided fishing line. So it's a a manual pull string that you pull and the wings move and it adds motion to your spread your decoy spread so that on those days when it's really calm out you actually have movement and it attracts ducks we also offer one that's on a fishing reel and you just reel the fishing reel and it spins its wings like crazy and that's a new one that we just came out with that's our constant drive now a lot of folks around the country listening to this are thinking well why do i need that 
I've got an electronic decoy that does the same thing and makes those wings move. The fact of the matter is, in Washington State where you live and where you're a duck hunting guide, as well as Oregon and at times in California, these electronic decoys are illegal, aren't they? Yes, it's the only option we have, but, you know, I get a lot of people from New York, Wisconsin, all over the country that have purchased them, and they they use them because, you know, batteries fail, mechanics fail, freeze up, and with this, you, you always got something you can depend on that will work for you. Let's talk about how these decoys work and also what they look like. So, number one, folks, I got to tell you, the detail on them is really good. These are not shoddy at all. I mean, from a distance, you think you are looking at a real duck here. Essentially, these decoys are meant to be standing above the water. How do you accomplish that? So, they sit on a half-inch conduit pole. And we actually saw another product, a pole pounder, Naughty Duck pole pounder, that you can actually slip inside the half-inch conduit and hammer it down. It doesn't mushroom the the pole out. But it's just a standard half-inch pole and conduit, and you can put a 2x4 on it to hammer it down, just anything to keep it from mushrooming out. So here's another question for you. You know, the mechanics of this. This is not the only decoy like this out on the market, but yours does differ from some of the other ones. How? So ours are handmade, stainless steel axle, everything is just handmade and overbuilt really, just a real sturdy product and ours is a lot smoother than some of the other ones out there, no plastic components. And I want to talk about that, you actually have stainless steel for a lot of this, don't you? Yes, yes. Does most of the competition just use plastic? Some of the parts are, and they, you know, they freeze up. So we we basically just overdid it and and made sure that, you know, it's a sturdy product that people could throw around and actually use and not fall apart. How long have you been making these, and what kind of success are hunters reporting? So I bought the company eight months ago, but Naughty Ducks is actually, they've been around for 15 years. So all these components are tried and tested, and it's been tinkered with to perfection. All right, so we've got a Widgeon decoy here. I saw a Mallard decoy as well. What other types of decoys do you have from Naughty Duck decoys? So we offer Mallards, Widgeon, and Pintail, Drakes or Hens. And did I see a Snow Goose in your booth as well? Yes, so we do offer Snow Geese and Canadian Honkers. All right, so all sorts of different species to choose from. You know, for the average hunter who's like hunting a decoy spread, we'll say, you know, 24 deeks, what you can carry out with you. How many of these do you recommend? One, two? Uh, One or two is just fine. It's just mainly to get that flash going and and to add movement out there on those calm days and just liven up the spread, the decoy spread. Last question. What do these retail for and how can folks get their hands on them? They retail at 155 and you can get a hold of us through Facebook or we have a webpage coming out, Naughty Ducks LLC. All right. That's NaughtyDucksLLC.com? Yes. Okay, Naughty, spelled again, K-N-O-T-T-Y, DucksLLC.com. That's NaughtyDucksLLC.com. Check them out. Invest in a couple of these decoys. You might just improve your next waterfowl hunt in the season to come. Dale, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Wishing you much success with Naughty Duck decoys. Thank you very much. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, got some audio that we recorded at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland. Not only was I there with hundreds of other exhibitors, but one of my friends was there too, Josh Warren with WorkSharp. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Good to be here. So you've got a booth here. 
I've got a booth, and in my booth, I was doing a giveaway of WorkSharp Pocket Knife Sharpeners where people picked a number between 1 and 50. If they guessed it right, they won. And what I came to realize with these pocket knife sharpeners, especially with younger people, not just kids, a lot of them had no idea how to sharpen a knife, and in some cases, had never even sharpened a knife before. Is this something you run into? It's definitely becoming a lost art or a dying skill that, you know, we hope to resurrect and at least provide that knowledge so that you can take care of your own blades. I'd be happy to give a quick overview of how I would sharpen a knife using our our pocket knife sharpener. Well, before you do that, let's talk about the pocket knife sharpener. I absolutely love this. It does fit right in your pocket. It's got a great price point of around $15. Describe it for our listeners. So the pocket knife sharpener is just a, it's a small rectangle shape and on opposing sides it has a coarse diamond plate. It's about a half inch wide and four inches long. And on the other side, a ceramic rod, a fine ceramic rod that we use for honing the knife edge. It also has angle guides on each side of both of those abrasives that hold your knife at the right angle. It gives you training wheels so you understand what angle is best to sharpen your knife. You know, and that is so great. When I grew up as a kid, basically just had a whetstone, you know, and you had no concept of angles at all. And I'll be honest, my knives were not always sharpened in a uniform way or even in a very good way. So I think this is just great. So let's run through the basics of how to use this pocket knife sharpener to sharpen your knife. Absolutely. So I start with the coarse diamond and I'll rest my knife on the angle guide with the blade touching the abrasive, but the side of the knife leaned up against the angle guide. Then I'll make a stroke across the abrasive, and I'll stop with the tip of the knife on the abrasive. This way I don't round the tip as I drag it over the edge. I'll make three to five passes per side, maybe more if your knife is extremely dull, and then I'll switch to the other side. I'll do the same number of passes on the other side, and then I'll be ready to move on to the ceramic. All right, flipping the pocket knife sharpener over and getting to the ceramic side. So when we are on the ceramic side, I will alternate sides. It's the same process. I'll rest the knife on the guide, drag it across the stone, and lift up right as I'm getting to the tip. But I'll switch sides after each pass so that I have a symmetrical edge. This will create a refined edge that, if sharpened right, can shave the hair right off your arm. Well, there you go, folks. If you've got a pocket knife, you definitely want to have the pocket knife sharpener from WorkSharp. You can get it online anytime at WorkSharpTools.com. And what are some of the store chains people can buy it in? People can buy this at Bymart, Sportsman's Warehouse, Bass Pro, or Cabela's. And like John said, you can always find it at WorkSharpTools.com. There you go. The pocket knife sharpener from WorkSharp in that classic yellow and black. Check it out, put one in your pocket, and keep that pocket knife of yours sharp all the time. Thanks as always, Josh. Thanks for having me, John. All right, let's end this segment the same way we started it, with a little music from that funny Wisconsin-based parody group, Shad Rap. A couple seconds more, all my hands are getting sweaty. I should wait a little longer, but what's the use? I put a finger on the trigger and bust the goose. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. They're the fine folks out of Ashland, Oregon, who make 
knife, and tool sharpeners that you can use, whether you're hunting or fishing or camping or maybe in your shop, maybe in your kitchen for all of the knives and tools you need sharpened every day when you work and play. WorkSharp Tools can be found online at WorkSharpTools.com or you can find them in sporting goods stores and hardware stores all over our great nation. Just look for WorkSharp products to sharpen your knives and your tools because nothing is worse than trying to get the job done right with a dull blade. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstances, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the darkest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true. To provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities, Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. That's huntofalifetime.org. Hey, how'd the meeting go with Tommy's school counselor today? Well, not exactly as planned. I, I think we need help. Help? Why do we need help? Well, I asked her about paying for college, and she said that's not something they do. Hmm. Maybe it is time to get some help. Even if Tommy just goes to state college, it's going to cost at least 25000 a year. We'll have to rate our retirement and pay for Tommy's tuition. There's got to be a better way. There is a better way. A way where you can pay less for college or even receive college tuition free, regardless of your income or your students' grades. A way for you to keep your hard-earned income and savings for your future and spend less on college, while virtually eliminating the need for student loans. Get the facts about college admissions and tuition by going to tuitionprograms.org. That's tuitionprograms.org, tuitionprograms.org. Get the facts about college admissions and tuition by going to tuitionprograms.org. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Next on America Outdoors Radio, 
we are giving you some audio that we recorded at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland, Oregon. And as you know, I'm always on the hunt for new products that might be of interest for you. And I think I found one for you. It's Range Meal Bars. This is a brand new company. These are those bars that you eat when you're hiking, when you're backpacking, when you're climbing mountains to give you that energy you need. With us here to tell you more about them is the founder, a young man named Zach Hines. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So, Zach, how old are you and how did you come up with the idea of Range Meal Bars? I am currently 25 years old, and I came up with the idea while I was attending college at Montana State. I was spending a lot of time on campus during the week, and on the weekends, I was having fun in the mountains with my buddies, and I was getting pretty tired of crushed PB&Js and crushed bananas, and came up with Range Meal Bars. So you didn't come up with the concept by yourself, because I know there's lots of energy bars out there, but how did you come up with not the idea so much, but the nuts and bolts, or I should say nuts and sugar and chocolate to go ahead and put together these bars. Yeah, so I think I knew that I wanted something that was going to be calorically dense, so I ended up settling on about 700 calories, and I wanted it to be really good whole ingredients that you can feel good about eating, and I wanted it to be compact, easy to eat with a glove on, and when it's nice and cold out, it doesn't freeze. So those are the things that I was trying to do, and then I ended up starting with a no-bake brownie recipe that I found online and just substituted in ingredients that I felt good about. So I switched out sugar for honey and flour for oats, and after a couple iterations, I landed on my first flavor, which was Alpine Start. So that's chocolate, peanut butter, and coffee. And that's how the company started. You've got another bar now, too. What's that one? Second flavor is Fresh Tracks. That's molasses, ginger, and sea salt. And the sea salt's actually harvested off the Oregon coast, which is kind of a cool little detail. Well, that is a cool little detail. How do you harvest sea salt? I think it has something to do with collecting water and then evaporating the water. Something like that. I don't know the details. That's all right. We'll have to do another interview about that another time. So the big question, of course, when it comes to these bars is how they taste. Because I'll be honest, I've had some that I've taken one bite. It's like, they're just horrible. Yours tastes pretty darn good. Yeah, I think with a product like this, the proof is definitely in the pudding. And I think our bars have done a good job of being nice and soft and easy on your jaw. And then when it gets cold out, they don't freeze solid like a Cliff Bar would. And so if you're someone that's going to be eating this when it's cold, uh, this is a product that would probably be well suited for you. How does it hold up in the heat? does well in the heat. We've had customers that have hiked the uh, Arizona Trail, so it gets well over 100 degrees. We also shipped to Texas during the summer and never had any issues with that. Are your clientele, are they who I think they are? Are they climbers? Are they backpackers? I mean, are they hunters as well? Absolutely. So a big part of our clientele is going to be backpackers, hunters, military first responders. We actually had the dietitian for the U.S. Navy SEALs reach out to us, and uh, they are now buying from us. Wow. Yeah, it's exciting. So yeah, slowly growing to different groups, but it's anyone who's going to get outside and get after it. That's who we tend to sell to. Question for you, because I don't know the answer, and I bet you do. When it comes to getting your energy back, you're out there backpacking, you're out there hiking, you're out there doing whatever, and you're running out of steam. I've heard calorie replenishment. I've heard protein replenishment. Which is it, or is it both? I think it's all of it. So calorically, I mean, that is your bottom line. You need to be replenishing what you're burning. But then as far as a nutritional profile goes, you want enough fat, carbs, and protein. You really need the mix. And I think where a lot of bars fall short is in the fat content. 
Um, a lot of them are mostly brown rice syrup. And so I think what we've done is we've got the simple carbohydrates from honey and molasses. We've got complex carbs from oats, flax, chia. And then we've got a lot of fat content in there from the nut butters and nuts. And so when you put that all together, it makes for a really ideal solution for endurance uh, activities like hunting. How is the protein in your bars? How high? I wouldn't market it to you as a protein bar, but... Alpine Start has 19 grams and Fresh Tracks has, I believe, 18 grams. And so it does pack quite a bit of a punch as far as protein goes. And that's going to be really quality protein that comes from oats and nuts and nut butters. It's not just soy protein isolate or something like that. I guess the last question is this. You are a brand new company. How do people buy range meal bars and what do they retail for? Absolutely. For most people, the easiest way is going to be our website, which is rangemealbar.com. Orders over $50 ship free. Anything under that is going to be $5 flat rate shipping. If you are local to the Southwest Washington or Portland area, we are in two stores locally. It's going to be uh, Next Adventure and Mountain Shop. And a single bar will retail for $7. If you buy a six pack, it's going to be $35 for the six pack, which comes down to about $5.83 per bar. If you're in the greater Portland metro area, go to Next Adventure or Mountain Shop or shop online anytime at rangemealbar.com. That's rangemealbar.com. Check out these range meal bars. They are pretty tasty, as you just heard. They're going to replenish you and keep you going no matter what you're doing out there outdoors. Zach, thanks so much for sharing this with us today, and good luck with this new company. Thanks for having me, John. Next, we've got a quick story from the Missouri Department of Conservation, which wants to let you know that four trout parks in the Show Me State will be opening up for catch-and-keep trout fishing on March 1st, a season that will run through the end of October. The parks in question are Bennett Springs State Park near Lebanon, Montauk State Park near Licking, Roaring River State Park near Cassville, and Merrimack Spring Park near St. Jane. The state operates trout hatcheries at all four parks and stocks rainbow trout daily throughout the season. So, as you might imagine, the fishing can be pretty darn good. If you want to fish at one of these parks, you'll need to purchase a daily trout tag available at any of the parks along with a state fishing permit. The limit on trout is four to five per day depending on which park you fish at. Another place to fish for trout in March? That would be Virginia. Harry Murray, the owner of Murray's Fly Shop in Edinburgh, says as the water starts to warm, the mountain trout get active and streams in Shenandoah National Park as well as the George Washington National Forest are good places to fish this time of year. Harry likes to fish mayfly or stonefly nymphs as well as caddis larvae with his fly rod and when fishing shallow pools less than three feet deep, he likes to cast upstream and dead drift that nymph. Harry says the biggest challenge is detecting the strike and seeing the trout do it with your eyes and setting the hook as opposed to feeling the strike from the fish will result in more hookups. If you want more information about catching mountain trout in Shenandoah National Park or the George Washington National Forest, drop by Murray's Fly Shop on Main Street in Edinburgh and pick up one of the books that Harry wrote about trout fishing in that national park. You can also order one of those books or sign up for a fly fishing school by going to his website. You'll find that at murraysflyshop.com.
Last but not least, anglers in Texas are getting excited about catching white bass as they prepare to spawn. Texas Parks and Wildlife says from now until early May is a great time to go after these fish, and a few places to find them include the San Gabriel River upstream of Granger Lake, especially through a public access point called Dickerson's Bottom, also known as the Steps. The Natchez River above Lake Palestine is another good place. You can find public access to that waterway at Chandler River Park, as well as 6,000 feet of river frontage for both bank fishing and kayak fishing. On the Sabine River above Toledo Bend Reservoir, anglers can find public access for white bass fishing at the Grand Bluff Boat Ramp. And the Frio River above Choke Canyon Reservoir also has some public access points at County Road and highway crossings, including the Highway 99 Bridge Crossing and Boat Ramp in McMullen County. Finally, the Colorado River above Lake Buchanan is a great place for bank anglers to fish for white bass, and better still, you can fish for them without a fishing license at Colorado Bend State Park. So there you go, some fishing opportunities to wrap things up today. We are out of time, but until next time, here's hope you are blessed. And here's hope that you get out there for some fishing or wildlife watching or hiking or just spending some time in nature. After all, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. Explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. A sharp blade makes short work of any project you have in the outdoors, in the kitchen, or in the shop. Hone your knives and tools with quality power and manual sharpeners from WorkSharp. Find out more at WorkSharpTools.com.